Welcome to Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures, with CEO and award-winning author, Yvette Bethel. This podcast is dedicated to providing leaders with solutions to build trust, inspire authentic transformation, and improve engagement. Learn about new and tested ways you can revitalize your culture, empower people, and transform your results. This is Yvette Bethel. And I am excited to welcome you to Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Evolve challenges traditional leadership paradigms and explores modern leadership models, providing ideas you can use to transform your culture. We focus on leadership through the lens of interconnectivity, flow, and balance, exploring ideas that translate into practical applications for contemporary organizational challenges. Our topic for this episode of Evolve is building corporate soul. And to explore his book of the same name with us is author and entrepreneur, Ralph Specht. Ralph is called a visionary business leader by Fast Company Press. He is the creator of the Soul System, which is a framework that aligns value-creating employee action with broader corporate strategy through shared understanding and shared purpose. He introduces a new language of success into the world of business based on his mission to make the leadership behaviors which build soul synonymous with the behaviors which build success. Ralph is a founding partner of the startup Spark44, a global marketing communications powerhouse. He was the architect of an innovative industry-first joint venture with Jaguar Land Rover. And during his time as COO and CEO, he successfully focused on the interdependence of the creative output with employee engagement and satisfaction. His driving vision is to make soulless companies a thing of the past. Welcome, Ralph. It's a pleasure to have you join us on Evolve. Thank you very much, Yvette. It's a pleasure <laughs> to have me here. So that's great. I'm honored. All righty. So let's just get started. I'd like to know what got you on this path. What sparked your interest in the soul of corporations? Because hardly anybody ever talks about this soul. Uh, they're not even aware of it in many cases. So Tell us. Well, actually, it was uh, sparked by the feedback that I got from many, many of my fellow employees and colleagues um, at Spark 44 when I stepped down because they shared with me messages that uh, really went close to my heart. Um, and they not only described what you would perhaps expect in, in, in such a situation, uh, a, a farewell or a uh, it's been a great time working with you message but what they actually did was they um, thought about the quality of corporate culture that had been built and since I was the last of the founding partners that uh, left the company it was apparently a moment where people took a deep, deep breath and said, oh, we're not so sure whether it's going to remain as, as it was. And what mm -hmm. has been has been something very special that we haven't experienced in any other place before. So 
Um, thank you very much, Akutis, to to you for the um, culture that has been built. Good. And when I received the messages um, in, on my email and my WhatsApp, um, it took a few days um, of digesting, and then I thought, well, actually, these message messages are too valuable to just stay on my iPhone. And uh, actually, there's something bigger in this, which I thought corporate soul is a very good description of what we had built. So I felt the legacy that we had built, and we is what I actually say, we all founders and, and many others in the company, was not to build a company from scratch up to 1,200 people and, uh, and 19 offices worldwide, but actually mm -hmm. to build a company with soul. Ah, so what exactly is a company with soul? What is its purpose? Well, a company with soul is first and foremost clear about its purpose. Um, and while many companies say they are clear about their purpose, when you ask their employees, many of those usually say, well, we don't even know our purpose or the purpose of the firm. Um, not are we clear what it means in, in every day. And so the purpose uh, is at the heart of what I uh, define corporate soul and, and, and the soul system framework that I have created. Um, and when, when you look at it from uh, uh, through some, some research that has happened, there's a, uh, there's a study from EY, which is called the business case for purpose. And that uh, gives a few hints to why it is important. It says an organization with shared purpose will have employee satisfaction and 89% uh, of all leaders in those companies agree to it. When you then ask the employees uh, and ask the question, is your organization's strategy reflective of your sense of purpose? The answer is 50% only say yes. Wow. So you see the discrepancy between the 89 mm -hmm. and the 50. So that's why in my model, it, when I talk about purpose, I always talk about shared purpose. Shared purpose uh, to me has two components. One is shared in the sense of the leadership team is behind it. It fully agrees and is aligned with it, but shared also in terms of everybody in the company understands what it is, what it means, and what it means to them. And that's the first step to building corporate soul. The second step, actually, because to me, purpose is a means to an end. It's not the end. Very often in the discussion about purpose, it feels like purpose is the thing. It's important, but it is. it's only here to achieve something bigger, which to me is corporate soul. And the second level, so we had shared purpose. The second level is what I call shared understanding. So you see the pattern, the word shared plays a role here. Um, and with understanding, I look at four elements of uh, corporate strategy. I look at the typical ones like vision, mission, values. Um, everybody looks at those, but there's a fourth one that I think very often gets overlooked, which I, uh, which to me is spirit. And spirit, in my view, is the intended culture the place is supposed to have. And that might be very different from real culture, but um, if you don't spend a moment and, and uh, contemplate about what spirit your company is supposed to bring to the table, 
you might not get the culture you want. So being clear about the vision, being clear about the mission, and being clear about the values and the spirit defines the second layer of the soul system. Now, when you got these two, the shared purpose and the shared understanding, you basically got the theory bit sorted. Now comes the tough part, as we all know, execution. And um, execution is not PowerPoint. Execution is what happens every day. And so the third level uh, of the soul system is what I call the shared behaviors. Because only if the behaviors reflect what the purpose suggests and the strategy um, defines, um, <clears throat> you achieve an integrity of all elements of what's happening inside a company. And that to me is what brings a company to a place where it can say, well, we've built corporate soul. So in essence, it sounds like a when you're building corporate soul, you need to be conscious about who you really intend to be uh, and, and not allow decision-making and other processes to kind of veer you away from who you are at a soul level. Is that correct? Yeah, I think you need to understand or you need to define who you want to be. So hence the... the, the purpose and the vision, mission, values, spirit elements are really, really critical. But we all know when, when you've worked in, a, in, a, in an organization, um, there's day-to-day -day realities and, and uh, colleague X does it this way and colleagues yeah. does it that way. Yeah. That in itself is not necessarily a problem, but if uh, what colleagues, colleague X does uh, is not in line with the, with the road that the, um, the shared purpose and the shared understanding suggests, then you might get into trouble if it gets uh, a if it becomes a consistent behavior. Mm -hmm. And so, um, the the leadership of a company has a lot of levers in, in in their hands. And and to me, um, one of the the biggest levers that, on the one hand, is often taken for taken for granted, and on the other hand very often is not considered being, or is not consciously being considered, is commitment. And uh, mm -hmm. commitment is actually a wonderful resource for any leadership team. Commitment is basically coming for free. Um, if you, as a leader, uh, put yourself in a position where what you're asking from your people is something that they understand, um, so they find can can find the rationale behind it. They can connect uh, with, uh, with it, and at the same time, they feel strong about it so that they put the extra mile or the extra hour into it. And in order to gain commitment, I think you need five things. You need um, alignment. So it's a communication element. You gotta mm -hmm. explain what where you want people to go. Hence mm -hmm. the shared element as well. Um, you got to be transparent about your goals. Um, you got to make sure that everybody can understand those. Um, and you shouldn't be too shy to ask your fellow team members to work with you on those goals. So participation is a cr critical element. And then obviously ownership and accountability. Um, and the fifth piece is something that often gets forgotten, which is um, proper documentation. 
because we've all seen it in company. It has great goals and, and great objectives that are being identified, but then um, they may they seem to be important when the, the new year starts and everybody goes like, well, this is what we want to achieve. But then when you ask people six, seven, eight, nine months down the line, what the objective was, they have, they've, they've, they've forgotten or they're not clear about it. So documenting the goals is, is critical, but also documenting progress and, and creating visibility. And all of these elements have one thing in common. It's a very transparent process that you actually have to um, get on with. And the idea of these shared um, behaviors is actually to make sure that everybody is conscious about what they're doing and how they're doing it. And uh, book defines in the, in the uh, for the third level of shared behaviors, a number of areas where it's extremely critical that there is consistency in the behaviors. And those areas are, for instance, uh, your, your hiring processes, your promotion nice. processes, your compensation uh, processes, but also things that have nothing to do with human resources in the first place, like which other companies are you partnering with? Is there a, um, an integrity yeah, between what you want and what they want? And uh, can, your, can your people, can your, your staff uh, actually get behind that without being, feeling, feeling being forced? So um, that all of these things are, are very, very critical. And, and uh, when you look at one aspect that's been in a discussion over the past few months, um, uh, everywhere across the world, which is the, some call it the great resignation. Um, right. uh, in Adela called it the great reshuffle, which I think is the better term. Um, but there's one thing um, that is probably the root cause of, of that situation, which is um, employees don't feel that their current employer is their right employer. And McKinsey did a great study about um, that phenomenon. And they looked at what are the most important drivers for employees to take the decision to leave. And what are the, what do the employers believe the most important drivers for the employees are? And guess what? They're obviously not the same. So the employees, um, the, the number one issue is you want to be, you want to feel valued by your organization. Number two issue is you want to be felt, you want to feel valued by your manager. And the third one is you have, want to have a sense of belonging. Now, none of that actually happens in the top three scores for the employers, what they think is the root cause. So employers think we're not paying enough or they're looking for a better job or there might be a health issue somewhere down, down the line. So the only thing that uh, both kind of agree on is the fourth point, which is uh, a good work-life work balance. Uh, that's why so the top three scores on the employees, valued by an organization, valued by the manager and a sense of belonging are the are the critical ones and these lead to people resigning and uh, if you flip it getting those right gets you to companies with soul because employees will will feel valued uh, ideally by their manager but also by the organization 
and get a sense of belonging. And once you get that, you, you basically um, erase the top three reasons why people are leaving. So there mm -hmm. is a lot of benefit. You, you talk about uh, soulless organizations and you just gave a number of uh, different statistics. Mm -hmm. From your perspective, what, what is the majority? Companies with soul or companies without soul and why? If I only knew. So, um, when I finished writing the book and had studied lots of surveys and, 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 and um, analysis from many well reputed companies, um, I thought it was interesting to me that there, there are some companies that always seem to pop up in these studies. Mm -hmm. um, and so I thought, hmm, so let's look at um, two kinds of studies actually. So on the one hand, look at studies that basically take employee feedback about the employers and on the, on the other hand, take studies that have a view on uh, business performance of companies. So what we did was we actually uh, blended uh, those results from those studies and came up with what I call a sole index, which is a performance index of companies. Now in that index, you will find a lot of companies um, that are well known to everyone. Um, a lot of big companies. <clears throat> so very often there's an idea that companies with soul are small family type of 20 people uh, companies. And yes, mm -hmm. it might be much easier to um, uh, build corporate soul in a small firm, uh, but obviously the impact of building it in, in, in a large firm is um, significantly higher. Um, but obviously you should aim for both. So looking at that, um, the, um, the top 20 companies of that sole uh, index of which 60% are tech firms, which is an interesting observation. Um, and all those tech firms are basically, have basically been found between the mid seventies and the early two thousands. Um, and they all are characterized uh, by one thing. They did not have much change in the CEO position, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the average CEO um, tenure is like, uh, I think 6.8 years in the US. So when you look at the um, tenure of the 20 CEOs or the, the 20 soul system and soul index companies, um, over the past two leaders, um, current CEO and previous CEO, the average is 15 years, so uh, more than twice as much. And it would be much, much higher if Jeff Bezos wouldn't have uh, stepped down as CEO uh, earlier this year. So, um, because obviously for the average, the, uh, the one year of his successor <laughs> doesn't help much. But anyway, so you already have like twice as much um, of that. and. Uh, at the same time, tech companies in the Silicon Valley have uh, revolutionized a lot of 
working culture um, aspects um, when they started here back in the 70s with Microsoft and Apple and others. And um, their focus on employee well-being has been significantly higher than in so-called traditional industries. Now that's one observation uh, and explains why it's 60% on the top of 20. But then you also have interestingly an interesting mix of uh, young companies and old companies. So the oldest company in the solar index is uh, a company that was founded in 1845. Well, really? that's, that's Deloitte, right? And the, ah. and the, and the second uh, oldest company uh, is American Express, which was 1850. So pretty close. Mm -hmm. Youngest company is Workday with 2005 and everything. Everybody else is somewhere in between. Obviously, mm -hmm. predominantly in the 70s and, and, and 80s. So, um, and as I mentioned, the index is composed basically by a uh, significant weighting of uh, employee feedback, both in terms of employee engagement, employee satisfaction, and their recognition for or approval for the for the current CEO. And these three um, dimensions seem to give a very good proxy for uh, what's happening inside a company. And if you blend that with business performance uh, overall, you get a pretty uh, solid uh, mix of companies and uh, I was very um, surprised, positively surprised. I, I mean, I did expect it was good, but I didn't expect it, it was that good when, when, uh, when we were uh, doing the initial, um, uh, the initial calculation because the small index companies, um, when we looked at them on a five-year basis, um, delivered a return of 199% in the stock market. And the NASDAQ did 180, S&P 500 was 83 and Dow Jones was 75. So that was quite something. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the idea of, um, as you mentioned <clears throat> earlier in my mission to make leadership behaviors which build so synonymous with the ones that build success is something that uh, is actually real. It's not an airy fairy, nice esoteric kind of thought. Uh, it's actually um, reality and uh, some leaders get it and they do it right and others are on the way, hopefully. Based on your experience, when you're facilitating a company uh, in the direction toward, you know, realizing their corporate soul, what are some of the barriers that you typically encounter? Well, I think the first barrier is uh, what I just uh, mentioned, the idea of, oh, this is just a nice airy-fairy kind of uh, right. thinking. And yeah, we all feel good, so, but we have, we've got a real business uh, to do here. And so when you, when you listen to those, um, Again, as I mentioned, there's a lot of research out there, and sometimes you just uh, got to bring the research to uh, uh, into the forefront for everyone, so that they can really understand what the what, what's happening out there. There's one piece of research from a company called OC Tenor in the U.S. <clears throat> they got a global culture index, right? 
And um, what I define as a business with soul, they define as a thriving culture, right? So they're pretty synonymous. And um, when they look at thriving cultures, they say, well, first of all, they've got a double likelihood of increasing revenues. So it makes business sense. The incidence of great work is eight times higher and the likelihood of having highly engaged employees is 13 times higher. And at the same time, employees in those cultures uh, have three times less burnout situations and the companies are three times less likely to face layoffs. So if you really look at those and think, okay, is there business sense? Is there some, <clears throat> some rationale behind looking at our soul and looking at and doing some soul, soul searching inside the company? Uh, you can only say, yes, of course, <clears throat> of course it is. And, uh, and you've got to start um, start with yourself, with the leaders. I mean, I, I was talking to someone the other day who was um, running a workshop with the leadership of a company and uh, he had like 13, um, 50 plus leaders uh, in an executive boardroom. And they were all complaining about the fact that uh, their employees um, didn't show any signs of empowerment. And then he just stopped and said, okay, if your guys don't show any sense of empowerment, it just simply means that you are not empowering them. It's as simple as that. Yeah. So uh, if you want to change that, let's start in this room. Because what is it that, take, that, that holds you away from empowering your people? And uh, Everybody said, well, well, now we need a coffee break, right? I mean, uh, it's, um, it's always well, difficult. I mean, well, well, they tell them people. you're empowered now, but nothing happens. That always happens. Oh, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, keep talking to the guy and, and, and see what happens in three and six months and nine months. <laughs> they still continue doing it. But, but uh, no, seriously, I think the, um, the biggest barrier is understanding um that this is actually a business enhancing uh activity mm -hmm. uh, not just a feel good um uh, activity and then um it requires openness and it requires the ceo or the, the general manager whoever leads the company at the top to um fully embrace it because these things only happen when the man at the top or the woman at the top is actually saying, yes, we want to do that. And there are great examples um, for it. I mean, the uh, one of the, the, the examples in the book is Hilton, Hilton Hotels, which was in a very, very difficult uh, shape in the early 2000s. And uh, um, with the right investor and the right C CEO, the company um, turned corners big time and uh, is one of the members of the, of the Soul Index. And I would argue, um, I mean, hospitality is always an interesting uh, space in this uh, regard, but um, when they went back and paying tribute to 
their founding belief by Conrad Hilton, which was we are great people serving great people, um, and looked into how they were dealing with the great people inside their com company, they felt they were not dealing so great with them. So mm -hmm. one of the biggest things they did was uh, actually taking their own staff seriously and giving them um, a lot of tools and creating an environment where they felt valued. So we're coming back to the McKinsey piece, valued by the manager, valued by the organization. And right. things happen, right? And um, but, but, but obviously, that's why I call the third level shared behaviors. Um, this is not the one moment in the year when everybody gets a, um, a fancy gadget uh, as a which had a great year um, uh, thank you present this is about a lot of small steps along the way and um, but it's also about steps that people recognize uh, which are not like incremental changes because you always have to have like lighthouse projects in there that people can refer to and say since we got that something has changed and I recognize something has changed and and I as an employee also need to consider whether whether I'm prepared to follow that change and and, and uh, get on the journey so um, the book is not talking about something like the employees are always right and the, and the leadership is always wrong that's not what it is it's about finding a proper uh, way for the leadership to connect with the people and one of the the most um, uh, impressive examples uh, during the research for the book was the interview that I did with Adrian Hallmark. He's the CEO and chairman of Bentley Motors. And he took over the reins of the company and the company was in, in difficulties, right? So similar to Hilton, they had a commercial situation that wasn't uh, as anybody wanted. And on top of that, uh, they had to deal with Brexit, which also didn't help. And as if that wasn't enough, COVID hit, right? So it's a perfect whammy, a triple whammy actually. And uh, what Adrian did was uh, he created an environment of clarity with all stakeholders. Uh -huh. So he did one. He did one. He did yes. one thing, which I said to him when when he told me about that. I said, "When do you afraid that this would backfire big time?" He said, "Well, you know, the." There is always the potential that things backfire, but uh, actually, if you don't uh, don't give trust, if you don't show trust to your people, how can you That's expect right. them to trust to you? So, yeah. what he did was um, uh, the team, uh, the executive team, was clear about uh, the shared purpose and the shared understanding of where they wanted to go. And then they brought together all four and a half thousand people and basically shared everything with them. Every three months, they had a town hall with everyone, all the four and a half thousand, and they put everything on the slides and everything was explained. So everybody knew. And there were a lot of things on these slides that actually some journalists would have been happy to create a big trouble at Bentley um, story. But because people in the company saw the, the, the real trust that was brought towards them, they felt, well, we can't let anything leak. Yeah. Um, we, 
we basically pay back with trust and uh, jointly get going on on the action to 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 make it happen. And the um, I mean, one of the things that the company has always been strong at was to um, um, treat people as human beings and not just as like with five thousand to work on the stuff and uh, and. Um, yeah, and, and 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 I think the program that he put together um, was really, uh, really very powerful. It was uh, introduced in, in the COVID situation, uh, continuously applying a lessons learned attitude. And when, when he and I talked last summer um, about it, um, he was one of the things that he was very proud of was um, over the past two years since COVID started, uh, there wasn't a single case where anybody contracted the virus inside the factory. Interesting. And, um, so he said, well, from his point of view, it's the first time that um, I've been in a leadership role and there was a real risk that people could die. And uh, so that, that was a significant um, moment of realization that your responsibility as a, as a leader in a company um, goes significantly beyond what you usually um, consider because it's a question of life and death if you make, make sure that your people are safe and, and uh, the working environment is safe and sound. You know, you do a wonderful job of weaving this all together. And one more piece that I'd like for you to weave into this is uh, the purpose-based alignment um, that you talk about uh, from the perspective of, you know, just like the soul, people don't think about aligning purpose <laughs> when, when they're hiring, uh, for example. Uh, what, are, what have you done or what have you seen that organizations do well to, to get that alignment between uh, individual purpose and organizational purpose? Organizations that, first of all, are clear about it um, have an advantage here because um, if I am clear about it and my team is clear about it, the chances that they actually um, are clear about it when they talk to, uh, to an interview um, candidate uh, is higher than if they don't. And that's banal. But very often that's where, where the problem starts, that people are not clear. That's why the word shared is so critical in, in, in the system. Now, the, there's been two discussions, right? The, the, there's been a discussion about purpose overall, and there has been a, a discussion about the, the purpose of every individual and that it should be aligned with the company. I think that goes a bit too far because yes, it might happen every now and then that someone's personal purpose is aligned perfectly with the company's purpose, um, but I don't think that is a is necessary and is a is a prerequisite for um, for a great corporate culture and building corporate soul and, and success of a business. I think um, employees ideally a are aware, b understand what it means to them uh, and see can see that the purpose is reflected in what the company is doing overall whether it's in their department 
whether it's with their product portfolio that they're, that they're um, promoting, whether it's in the partnerships that they are choosing with other companies, in the way they deal with their employees and, uh, and, and, and their colleagues. All these things um, give very critical signs. Hence, to me, the shared behaviors uh, are really critical. You know, a lot of people use the term fit um, to describe how they bring people in or how they appoint people to different roles. How does a purpose, uh, can you make a distinction between purpose and fit? Is there one or what, what is your perspective on that? Well, there's, a, there's one chapter in the book which talks about culture fit versus culture ad. What's the second one? Fit versus fit or add, like adding to your company. Oh, add, okay, okay. Yes, and um, the, um, I mean, Netflix, who's, uh, who's very popular and, and, and recognized for their uh, corporate culture and, and everything they've done in that space, um, their HR director once said, um, if culture fit means I pick the right person that I would love to have a beer with after work, then that's not what we want here. I think that's pretty much what she said. And I would totally agree. This is not about... Um, Good uh, think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah but, but I think and, and having a, a, a team structure with only like-minded people who all think the same is also yes. not a very healthy uh, yeah. structure because you, need, you always need inspiration and input and you need um, uh, a disruptive element every now and then as well in order to push things forward and create innovations uh, in, inside the company. But, here's the big but, I think when you're a leader, uh, you have to be in a position when you make the final cut on hiring someone, whether that individual um, is both an addition to the culture and a fit to the culture, and that's no um, contradiction. Right. The, the, I remember a situation we had to hire a, a managing director for an office, and uh, that office had a lot of challenges um, at the time, and uh, I had asked a few colleagues to help me with um, narrowing the search down and then doing a few interviews. I said, well, why don't you start with filtering it down and getting to um, the top one or two candidates? And the, they did that. And um, so at one point, I met that person that they felt was the right person. And I couldn't find any way to connect with that person because I felt that he had not fully understood what we were about. And while the team focused very much on what needs to be done, my view was, um, of course, that's what you need to do. But how can you bring the company forward overall? I mean, he was the uh, managing supposed to be the managing director of the biggest office, and. Um, Obviously, you've got a few people who've been working on that narrowed down shortlist uh, piece, and they all look at you and uh, you're like, well, <clears throat> I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm, not convinced. I'm not convinced yet. And then I explained to them why I wasn't convinced, and they could, could understand it and accept it. It was no problem. 
so we briefed the recruiter to actually go back one more time because um, we weren't there yet. And mm -hmm. uh, the, that was one of the best decisions we, we ever done uh, because the, the person that was then hired was a, was a rock star in terms of bringing that office to new, new heights and uh, and uh, creating innovations and, and, and managing the people in a, in a perfectly uh, perfect world and uh, creating world-class products. So um, it's always worth um, thinking twice whether you make a, an important hire and uh, understand what you're really looking for, right. what the culture is, what the culture needs, and um, how you can build it from there. Because culture obviously is never, um, do you say in English, stationary? It's, not, it's, never, um, right. it's, it's never the same today, to, I mean, perhaps today and tomorrow, but not today and in five years. Things change, right. things evolve. And to your point, evolve. Um, uh, getting getting that uh, being conscious about the evolution that takes place um, in the right direction, I think, is uh, what is so important for everyone here. There's a last question for you. Uh, if you were to give our listeners um, one piece of advice, if they're interested in instit instituting uh, or building. Corporate soul, what would you tell them that they need to do? I think a piece of advice would be when you look into this subject of, co of corporate culture, ask yourselves a few questions. And when you're a leader, these questions are, are slightly different as if you're not the leader inside the company. So if you're the leader, I think the first question is, are you able to define the culture of your company in one sentence? Can you just give this one statement? This is the culture of our company. And ask yourselves and do the test whether your management team would use the same words. Um, and very often they don't. And then you already know where the gaps are. Yeah. And from an, from an employee perspective, because one uh, person reached out to me a few weeks ago and said, well, this is all cool, but actually I'm looking for a new job and how do I find the company? So, which uh, I thought was a very relevant question. Yeah. And, uh, I said to her, well, um, that's not so easy because they don't have a stamp. <laughs> but, um, do one thing, which I think is, is really important, ask um, the company when you get to the stage of interviews to be allowed to talk to uh, other people than just the hiring manager, uh, get an understanding, read the Glassdoor or whatever the platforms are in, in, in your country, read those platforms, read the comments on those platforms uh, well, and don't be shy to ask the question. Um, how it, how it works. And you will see from the response whether that is an embracing culture or thriving culture or not. And uh, I'm curious where she lands. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> With that, Ralph, I would love to thank you for joining us. 
Your insights will certainly help our audience to start leading, <laughs> to start building a corporate soul. And uh, please tell our audience where they can find you on the internet, you and your late, your book, uh, Building Corporate Soul. Yes. So it's been my pleasure to be on the show today. And uh, everybody who's interested in Building Corporate Soul just finds more information on buildingcorporatesoul.com. And if you want to connect me with me and follow me, you can do that on Twitter. The handle is just Ralf Specht. And the uh, and on LinkedIn with also Ralf Specht because Specht is so difficult to pronounce for everyone uh, with an American or English uh, language accent. It's uh, S P E C H T, and Ralf comes with an F. <laughs> this <laughs> and now I'm going to be tested. This is, has been Yvette Bethel and Ralf Specht. Specht. <laughs> and we thank you for taking the time to join us on Evolve. Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Thanks for listening to Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Join our vibrant network of leaders who are challenging the leadership paradigm in an innovative learning and impact network. Check out our webpage at ifbnetwork.co to learn more about and join our exciting ecosystem of high-performing leaders.